Hey, welcome to another episode of Ball Court, and we're talking about the Brooklyn Experiment. Are we going to free Bradley Beal? And can you tell me what Clutch is? Right here on Ball Court. Hey, welcome to another episode of Ball Court. My name is Coach Drew. This is the world of basketball, and I can tell you this world has been on fire. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. I know everybody's been talking about it. All the pundits been talking about it. All the fans been talking about it. And every basketball aficionado has been sitting around talking about the Brooklyn experiment. Yes, Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and of course, James Harden. So when we stop and we take a look at this, we say, hey, this is the team that's absolutely on fire. I'm talking, they combined for 89 points against the Atlanta Hawks just the other night for an overtime win. But how are they combining for 89 points and we're just getting an overtime win? Think about this, 132 to 28. They combined for 89 of those points, of those 132 points. We have to stop and look. The sample size is not big enough, but it is quite a decent sample size. I'm saying it's been four games since we watched the big, the new big three playing together. And here's what my I have to take from it so far. First of all, James Harden, Kevin Durant, I'm telling you, them not playing together for a little while and developing their skills and then coming back together, I think it was absolutely beautiful. The ball handling of Kyrie Irving is amazing to watch and I can tell you when I see it I'm like wow everybody's left in all but with that aside the Nets still struggle in some of those games even against the Cavs they were a little bit you know a little bit tight against them taking two losses against the Cavs now you got to think about it they lack in certain areas even though they have this big three on the floor who can protect the rim who's going to dominate those rebounds giving them those second chance opportunities I know that Kevin Durant's going to grab a few. I know James Harden's going to grab a few. And when you think about it, as far as a guard goes, Kyrie Irving grabs his share of rebounds too. But you need a dominating big man, somebody who's going to probably stop up the lane and keep, you know, keep people away. So guess what? Yes, you heard it. The Nets went out and got themselves a big man, Norvell Peel. So when Norvell Pelly Pelly into the league, I mean, into the fold of what's going on right now, now you have a quick sharpshooting team, attacking team with things moving. So how does it work? Here's what I've seen so far. James Harden can no longer be Batman. Um, I seen what he was doing in Houston. It was it was working for what Houston had, but for what the Nets have and the amount of firepower that they have right now, he cannot be Batman. He has to sit back and be Robin to uh, Kyrie's Batman or Kevin Durant's Batman when he's out on the floor. What I'm trying to tell you is not saying that you know Jane Harden can't score himself because hands down he can. He showed that he's made an art form of. Acting you know, getting into the lane and making things happen. He could even cause a foul to get to the line to score points there. So I'm not saying that he cannot score. What I am saying is that his passing and his assist has been so elite for this team. He's actually the catalyst that's helping them move forward and that's keeping the ball moving and, and keeping people in the right position to be successful. So when you have a Kevin Durant and you have a Kyrie Irving, you need someone who's going to assist for them to get the big plays. And that's why I 
feel that he should step back and be the Robin that he needs to be. Now, with this team on a whole, we all know that his guns are blazing, but the depth is where they lack on that bench. How are you going to make it deep into the East with them being the number one, the people, everybody thinks they're the number one contender coming out of the East, but how are you going to make it deep into the East without a bench? I'm telling you, in those hard grinds of the playoffs, that's where it's going to really matter, is who's going to have the stronger bench, who's going to have the ability to go deep into the game and deep into the series. Well, but we'll just have to stick around and see. The experiment is clearly on its way. All right. Now, mind you, Outside of those 89 points, I just want to let you know, because I know everybody's sitting thinking to themselves, like, okay, yeah, they scored 89 points. And nobody else was really doing anything. But how did Atlanta How did Atlanta hold in there? Let me go ahead and break it down. Trey Young had 28. You know, um, Cam Reddish had uh, 28. I mean, 24. Um, and John Collins and DeAndre Hunter each had 21 apiece. So, as a team, they were balling on their own right. They were actually balling on a pretty decent level themselves with their four players. And when you take a look at the Nets, you know, having 32 from Kevin Durant, 31 from James Harden, and 26 from uh, Kyrie Irving, and you can see that there was very little production anywhere else on the team. You can see the depth is really lacking on there. And it, what you could clearly see in Atlanta is that they do have depth. They have other players that's going to score in double digits. They have other players that's going to score high in double digits. So if you're taking this into a seven-game series, how many times do you think we're going to go into overtime and you're going to barely win by four? These are the questions that we have to ask, especially when we're taking a look at such an experiment. All right, let's go ahead and move on. I'm moving on to my hashtag. You know what I'm saying? I'm about to get me my T-shirt and everything. I'm protesting. Yes, free Bradley Beal. Please, somebody, free Bradley Beal. D.C. got Bradley Beal locked up. I'm telling you, let me tell you, not he's not locked up by the law, so everybody calm down, get off of TMZ, come back, come back to the, yep, bring it all back to the podcast. Yes, yes, I'm right here. Okay, so, no, he is not locked up in jail, but he is locked up in D.C., Man, it's been crazy over there, but he's doing some phenomenal things. I'm telling you. Bradley Beal dropped 47, uh, Bradley Beal, he dropped, I'm sorry, 47 points he dropped just, a, just last night from the time that I was actually speaking on the show. The man is frustrated. He dropped 47 points in a loss. It wasn't 47 points and then he edged it out and the team won. He dropped 47 points and got to watch his team get blown out. They weren't even competitive. Yes, he does play for the he does play for the uh, Washington Wizards. Yes, and yes, yes. So does Russell Westbrook. But still, it seems like it seems like Bradley Beal has no help. Even if Russell Westbrook starts playing at a higher level and move back to closer to where he was shooting two years ago, you still look at it and say, "Hey, plus minus, they're still in the hole." Because right now, of course, we know that Russell Westbrook's 39% shooting percentage is not really helping Bradley Beal's situation. But he needs to get out of there. And as a matter of fact, I don't feel that he just needs to get out of there. He needs to get out of there on a higher level, on a higher plane. Meaning, he needs to go to a team that is contending. Now, here's a couple people that I, if I was them... This is how I would feel about it. If I was Steph Curry right now sitting there knowing 
that Clay Thompson is not going to be playing for this season, knowing that James Wiseman is having a phenomenal rookie year, knowing that Derek Lee has been shooting lights out game after game, and knowing that they do need a piece that they're not getting from Kelly Oubre. I would be the first person on the phone demanding that we do something to get Bradley Beal. You can work out a trade in the moving Kelly Oubre, a couple other draft picks, you know, say one or two other players for Bradley Beal. This is something that definitely is going to benefit everybody because the current system in which um, in, in which they're playing in in uh, with the Golden State Warriors, it doesn't fit Kelly Oubre's style of play. As you can clearly see, the running gun shooting from the outside is not as explosive as it was with the athletic style of attacking the basket that he was playing in, in Phoenix. So he himself is not having a great time over there or a great season over there in Golden State. And Bradley Beal, we could take a look at the pictures. We could clearly see that he's not happy being there. So we don't we don't want him to be there any longer than he has to. As a fan of basketball, we need to put this man on a team that he has somebody around him, anybody around him. But don't get me wrong, I would say if I was being a greedy man, why don't you come on to the Lakers? The Lakers love to have he got he needs to be somewhere where he's gonna be a proper fit. Not a role player as he was in his former years playing behind John Wall, but an actual star, one of the superstars, probably a splash cousin, if you will. I don't know. But, see, I'm hoping that something does work out. So right now, the trade rumors are building up real crazy for Bradley Beal, and everybody's looking at a way that they could put him in their lineup. But hands down, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I feel with my heart and with my mind that he's going to end up with Golden State. That seems to be the best option for him right now as far as having a team that he's going to have a, almost a decent chance of making a run at the playoffs. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into a topic that saddens me. And what I mean by it saddens me, it really hurts me. I am talking like it hurts me, hurts me, hurts me. As a matter of fact, before I get into it, I want to brace myself because we're going to be talking about the Lakers versus Sixers game right here on ball court. So I'm going to need you to stick around for more World of Basketball. I'm Coach Drew. Tell me, is it pretty? He's out of sight. Is he good as all the girls say on any night? Can he afford to pay my way? You damn right. And you should be ashamed if you don't know his name. Is he pretend? He's out of sight. Is he good as all the girls say on any night? Can he afford to pay my way? You damn right. And you should be ashamed if you don't know his name. What's true? 
I know mine could not be righteous tears. I cry only for you, not for loss of life, but loss of love. So selfishly I pine for tonight. Some tears are bound to fall, more justified than mine, but they won't stop. here at ball court this is the world of basketball i am coach drew and yes i have wiped my weeping tears but still i'm gonna go ahead and fight through this topic we're talking about the lakers and the sixers game and if anybody got a chance to sit down and watch this game this was a very exciting game as a lakers fan you had that feel at all times during the game that you know this was it you're gonna come back you know every single time you're like I know we pushed it up the hill, but the rock rolls down a little bit. And just like Sisyphus, we're going to keep on pushing it up. We're going to make it back up this hill. And I and I, and I honestly felt that myself. But I know that there were some fans out there. Yes, I'm speaking to Malik directly from the Blitz. I know that there were some fans out there from Philadelphia 76ers that knew that this game was in hand from the first quarter. And I'm telling you, that first quarter was absolutely gangbusters. They came out hitting shot after shot after shot. It was like in a blink of an eye, it went from a four-point lead to a 16-point lead. And I couldn't even tell you what happened exactly. It was just like layup after steal, layup, rebound, layup. It was just flying. They were running up and down the court. They looked phenomenal. Now, let me tell you some key points that I got from that game that I was watching that I sat there and said, man, this is going to be something that I'm going to have to talk about later. One of the key points that I got from that game was Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons had a triple-double, but that's very common for Ben Simmons. But here's what I liked about his game. He attacked the basket with ease. He wasn't worried about, um, he wasn't worried about what's going to actually come up as far as, as far as getting into a, um, like pulling up for a three, pulling up for a mid-range, what's going to be the best. He just attacked the basket and knew that the best thing that he could do is draw the defense. And if the defense didn't come, he had an easy shot. I loved what he was doing out there. I like that. But the person who actually surprised me, the person who had me off my seat for the whole game, and he was just shooting gangbusters, was Tobias Harris. It was amazing. It was like he couldn't be stopped. I, I, I'm kidding you not. If this was 2K, I would ask you to reset it. I don't think this is fair. I felt like somebody was playing with the sliders or something because this guy was on fire. It was like every shot was green after green after green. And let me go ahead and break it down to you. He was the number one heartbreaker in this whole thing. Because when you look into the closing seconds of this game and, and the level that they were playing at, 
for Anthony Davis to come up in the closing seconds and actually put us ahead after not having a great game. Not saying that he had a bad game, but it wasn't a level of Anthony Davis. And even he can say it. He can say that lately he has not been playing up to his level, that championship level. As a matter of fact, let's take a look at his free throw shooting percentage. Throughout last year, he was shooting at an 85% free throw shooting percentage. He got into the bubble. He remained around that time, even though it was the playoffs. It was hard. It was tough. It was hard work. He was still shooting at that level. Right now, he's shooting at a 74%. So there goes one of the major drop-offs in his points points per game, but that's also a major drop-off in his overall. He's the type of person that gets to the line a lot. So when you're talking about dropping off roughly about 11%, that's 11% cutback in points just for the simple fact that he gets to the he gets to the basket so much. So on a whole, on a whole, it was one of those games where you felt like he was he was slowly getting to that breakthrough game where now it's gonna turn around for the season. I I loved what I saw. You know, the old man, King James, he was out there. Drop, he dropped 34 points out there and had six rebounds and six assists. Now you can say, wow, somebody that age still doing it every single night. How did they lose? I'm going to tell you, it was an amazing win for the uh, – it was an amazing win for the Sixers. They, in the last seconds of the game, Tobias Harris put the ball on the floor, went at went at Alex Caruso. Now, right there, if you're going to see the imaginement in your head, you know that that is a mismatch. You're going against a smaller player and attacking the smaller player to the, to the right, which is your strong hand on your left, you know? So he went right at it, set into the shot, went one-two, and... I know the green bar wasn't there above his head, but you could still see the green bar. You knew that shot was good when he released it. Man, I'm going to tell you, that was one of the most clutch performances I've ever seen. That game came down to clutch, being for the fact that the Lakers were down by 16 in the fourth quarter and fought their way to be up by one in the closing seconds. That alone was clutch. And then the Sixers was able to match their level of clutch. So, before we jump into that next segment, because I want to talk about some of the greatest clutch plays that I have seen so far this this season and that I'm excited about already. But before we jump into that, I just have to bring up this point. Think about this. Look how deep the 76ers bench is. Look how deep that team is. They took literally the best team right now in the NBA. They took them all the way to the wire and they kept on fighting. And they showed that they are deep even though there was mistakes that were made that they could definitely improve on. Joel Embiid could have played a better game. He could have been a little bit more physical down low in the paint he could, instead of hanging out in the three-point lane a lot. But I'm not saying that, that that killed their game, but it could have been a little bit more for to take advantage of it, having him you know, push down a little bit further into the lane and fight down, especially when he is matched up with Anthony Davis, put him in a little bit more foul trouble, stuff of that nature. There's other things that they could have did that they could have improved on. So how could you definitively say that the Nets is the number one team in the East? Like the 76ers, they do nothing. Like the 76ers do not have a Hall of Fame championship coach coaching them. Now, I know what everybody's saying. Oh, yeah, 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 he blew a 3-1 lead. But... In all respect, all due respect, he don't have Paul George no more, so he should be okay. (laughs) 
So with that being said, though, I must say, you know, on a whole, you cannot look at the 76ers and say that they're, uh, they're going to be a, 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 a pushover team out of the East. So clear cut, I cannot say definitively the Nets will win the East. I think it's going to be definitely a battle. I just don't feel that this year the Nets have the depth needed to win the East. I feel Norville Pele is a great addition. I feel that James Harden and uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant is going to put on some great performances. It's going to show up. It's going to look great, but I do not think they're going to win the East. I feel that if Ben Simmons continue to play on Ben Simmons' level where he shoots to three when he's comfortable, attacks the basket like how he knows how to do, pass the ball and get everybody else involved and run the fast break in the fashion that he does, I think the 76 is going to be a tough team to beat. I think Joel Embiid being the fact that he's a stretch five, he can shoot the three. That's the reason he'll hang out on the three-point line, even though he can actually get into the lane and body up and mix it up with you. I'm telling you, he's gonna, he's one of those players that is going to have that game that's going to be needed, that if you do not have a big that's going to be able to match him, he will dominate. And funny enough, it doesn't seem like Nets have that kind of big. So you have to start looking at it. They, got, they can spread the floor with uh, Seth Curry shooting from the three. The Sixers are a formidable team in the East. Last night, if you got a chance to watch that Lakers-Sixers game, you probably got a finals preview. So congratulations and enjoy your finals preview. The next one you will have to pay for. <laughs> so I want to jump into some of the clutch moments that has been taking place. These are my, these are some of the, you know, most clutch moments that I've seen on the season so far. And I, and as a special content, as a special little gift to you, to all of you, because I love you so, so much. I'm going to make sure that that last clip, I want you to watch that last clip because that is going to be Tobias Harris doing what Tobias Harris do. So let's go ahead and get started right away. I'm going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about uh, Sacramento and the Denver Nuggets. Now, this was this was actually a great game, both tied at 122 in the closing seconds of the game. And this fast break right here was initiated by the steal. Moving up, coming up, you thought they, you know, Harrison Barnes would get the throwdown, but Buddy Hill gets the tip in, and he was out the door. I'm talking, he left the court, he left the building, he left the stadium. I think he left the state. He was immediately gone, and it was phenomenal because when you watch here, the thing that I like about this is that he's trailing the play the whole time. He's doing exactly what coaches tell you to do. Do not give up on the play. Everything's a miss. Now, let's take a look at Jason Tatum. When you see him set up on that double dribble with that in and out and that side step going back, you already know what it's going to be. That's cash money. And he was lined up on the MVP. Yes, two-time MVP Giannis. He knew what it was. He set him up, took two steps, loaded the legs, one, two, back, and it was cash. We saw him doing videos all through summer, practicing, working on his game. He was in quarantine, but his game was sick. Look at this right here. Yes, the young boy. You know, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, Cole Anthony, he had came through with that cold shot for Orlando to win it. Clutch three. I'm telling you, watch the legs. Watch the setup. Right off of the toes, quick, instant pop-up. This is what coaches talk about. This is what we work on. And, of course, D. Lee from out of uh, the Warriors did his thing. They tried to lock down. 
And when you watch this, watch this clip here. They tried to lock down and actually D up on, on, um, on Steph Curry to keep him from actually getting the ball and getting the pass. He came right off for the dribble handoff. D Lee set up and it was cash. Remember, the legs were loaded. The wrist was ready. Snap the wrist. Hold the follow through. One, two, hop forward, and it's cash. Cash me out. Check, please. And next, let's go ahead and talk about this. I got to talk about how the young boys hustling. You have the rookie Pritchard, the same one I talked about that I liked coming out from the Celtics, following up on Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart tried to make a smart play by attacking the basket and causing, and, you know, and causing a little body. But no, the rest didn't call it. They saw past it, but Pritchard did not give up. He did what us coaches tell you to follow the ball. And yes, Clutch plays is not just on offense. Bam Abadai will show you that. He did it in the playoffs, and he'll do it again. He, I'm talking clutch, 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 stopping it, going straight up. Now, when we block, everybody always do this. They lean forward. He got the body moving. He went straight up and took it right out the air. Now, let's take a look at Tobias Harris over Alex Caruso. I'm telling you, let's watch this again. He attacks it. He just attacks Alex Caruso. He knew what it was setting up as. Once that pick switched off and he knew he was on a smaller player, it was one, two, cash me out, governor. I have to go. And I'm telling you, these are some of the most clutch plays that I've seen all season. And I am absolutely amazed by what I've been seeing. And can we can we just get can we be the first person to say that this season already has been absolutely drama-filled and has been excited. Some of the most exciting basketball that I have seen. And guess what? When we take a coach's look at this, we're not going to just talk about some of my favorite plays, but let's go ahead and take a closest coach's look at some of the, my favorite things that has happened this week. Yes, yes, yes. It's trading season in the WNBA, and some trades have been blockbuster trades have been some blockbuster trades. Yes. Chelsea Gray of the uh, Los Angeles Sparks is going to be coming to Vegas. Welcome to Vegas. Hope you make yourself at home. Just have a nice little place here. Go ahead, check it out. Take your shoes off. Leave them at the door. We don't like all, you know, you attract, you know, filth over here. So I'm glad you're here in Vegas. But we did lose, we did lose a couple people. Kelly McBride actually has been traded. She is no longer with the Las Vegas Aces. That hurts. That hurts a little bit. And one of my favorite players, actually hands down my favorite player, CP3, Candace Parker, is going home. Yep, she's going home. You heard it here. She is actually heading back to Chicago. Uh-huh. She's going to be playing with the Chicago Sky. Now, one of the key things was the players as well as um, – as as well as the organization, they really spoke to her about actually playing in front of her hometown and playing in front of her family once again. And who, how could you blame her? You know, LeBron did it. Uh, D-Wade did it. Every, everybody wants to do it. You know, you want to play in front of your hometown, you know, the hometown fans, you know, get your family and friends out there. It's a great feeling. Sometimes it can be a little expensive because you got to get all those tickets for all those family and friends to come to the game. So it's probably best that you don't play in your hometown. But at some point in career, you have to go ahead and experience it. Some some other key trades was Ariel Powers. Ariel Powers will be leaving D.C. She's going to Minnesota with Kayla McBride. 
and they're going to be joining the links and doing their thing over there. Erica Powers, actually one of those players straight out of college. I really liked her style of play. She's very dominating. She's very um, she's very quick, attacks the basket style of play. So I think with Kayla McBride, especially since she spreads the floor and gets those three-pointers up and keep them out there, as well as just have a strong style of her play, where she'll – she has the body makeup to grab rebounds. She can body with the big, but she likes to spread the floor. She's a very good guard and a very physical guard. So with Kelly McBride and Ariel Powers over there, the Lynx are slowly climbing back up to where the Lynx used to be when Maya Moore was, you know, holding the holding the thrones over there. Now there hasn't been any word of Maya Moore coming back as of yet, but you know anything can happen. Anything can happen. Now, did, uh, what are the let me let me go ahead and say this. One of the key things that I really, what I really was like, bothered me about a lot of these trades that were taking place, was they weren't getting the kind of coverage that I feel they should have gotten. When Candace Parker was traded from the Sparks, I felt like it should have been like an explosion in coverage. I feel that people all over should have actually spoke about it. It should have been on every news. It should have been all over the place, but it wasn't. It, it seemed like it was dialed down a little bit. I just want to say, man, the WNBA has been absolutely phenomenal over the last couple of years. So if you are not watching, please get on it. Check it out. It's going to be some – this season is going to be phenomenal because I can see already with some of the changes that are being made that it's kind of evening things out. It's kind of making – it's leveling the playing field – and it's going to give that same feeling that you would get when you deal with the NBA. That there's there's a level of um, there's a level of parity where you know that one person is not going to be able to just walk around and dominate throughout all the time, you know. And I I, I kind of like that. I kind of like where that's going. So let's go ahead and uh, I want to jump into my next topic. And this is like one of my final topics because I like to save this for the last. All right. This is about you know, uh, my coach. This is my coach's topic. This is my little uh, word from our coach type segment. In this topic, I love to go ahead and discuss certain things that is uh, that that does bother us as the athlete, as well as the parents, as well as coaches in the game. So I want to go ahead and touch base on this. And th today we're going to talk about you know constructive criticism as opposed to just hating on somebody. And the reason why we bring this up is because if you recently have noticed and you recently have heard, Shaquille O'Neal has been in the news for comments that he made on NBA TNT with, um, uh, towards uh, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell had a phenomenal game. His comments went along the lines of that he'll never be a great player. He'll never be great to make it to the next level doing what he's doing now. Pretty much, we all have seen that Donovan Mitchell year after year has been dominating the regular season and then get to the uh, postseason and then have some challenges along those way. Now, here's here's a couple things that I felt, you know, was the issue, right? Well, first off, you know, Kevin Durant, who pretty much, you know, always voices his opinion on certain topics of, of this nature. He came out and said, he said them all heads need to go enjoy retirement. These boys have coaches that they work with every day, right? Now, I, um, LeBron James actually chimed in. He says, I love when you talk basketball because you keep it 100. Don't ever sugarcoat 
don't ever sugarcoat anything. He used an explicit, of course. He said constructive criticism. There's a difference between constructive criticism and soft hating. Now, here's what my opinion is on it. Hands down, as a legend, yes. Shaquille O'Neal has all the qualifications to go ahead and make this statement. He's seen every single one of our heroes as far as our shooting guards. He's either played against or played with every hero we consider consider one of the greatest shooting guards. As a matter of fact, if you sit down right now and ask people of their top five shooting guards, he's either played with or played played against every single one of them. Remember, he was there when Jordan had on the four or five when the um when they when they beat when Orlando beat um you know Orlando beat them during that series, he was there, you know? Um, the the uh, Bulls versus the Magic, that series. Remember, remember, he played alongside uh, Dwayne Wade. He played alongside LeBron James. He played alongside Kobe Bryant, uh, Penny Hardaway, some of the most phenomenal guards that you'll ever play with. He played with uh, Steve Nash. So when he tells you what is needed to... Or when he speaks that you are not on that level yet of being that level type guard, he, you could tell that he's clearly speaking over place of knowledge. Here's where I differ in my opinion than what he is saying. Though he has a place of knowledge, there's a better way of doing things. On national TV, it was a very awkward moment for Donovan Mitchell, as well as, you know, pretty much 80% of America who was sitting there watching that. It was a very awkward moment. We saw uh, a grown man being told that you'll never be good enough. And I'm telling you to your face, what are you going to tell me? Now, of course, you can never say that, oh, yeah, well, Shaq, you'll never be good enough. Shaq is not like Charles Barkley. He has the rings. He has the MVPs. He has the uh, final MVPs. He had the accolades, all the accolades needed to go ahead and make such a statement. But as a statement from one man to another... As, as men in this game, as people in this game, we should be building each other up. We should be moving each other to the next level. So from one legend to another, instead of publicly uh, creating that awkward feeling between you and this person, you could personally take him aside and say, hey, I don't see it yet. Or what could you do? Like, how do you... You've been playing great all regular season. This is how I would have done it. Hey, you've been playing great all regular season. How will we translate that into your postseason game? Just way to get over some of those postseason woes that you've been having. So, yes, yeah, a very legitimate question. We could go ahead and take a look. We could see where the building is taking place. But a statement such as that, there's no building there. There's no, there's nothing to build on unless you are just training out of anger. And I'm talking, you know, like a Rocky Balboa type, running up the stairs, focused on your opponent type, type training. And basketball is about the love of the game. You can train that hard to focus on being better, but there's always going to be people who feel that you are not good enough. As our legends, we cannot sit there and take the ones that the kids are looking up to now and tearing them down, you know? And actually, Utah agreed with me.
Yes, they actually passed a law honoring Donovan Mitchell over Shaquille O'Neal. So we all see that Donovan Mitchell has done some great things for the community, great things for basketball. And on a whole, you can see that his game has improved tenfold. And being for the fact that he is a freakish athlete, you know, because at 6'3", and he has a plus six uh, wingspan, he's like, he's a, he's a, that's what makes him who he is. That's why he can elevate. That's why he can throw it down and what he can do. That's why he can play as great as defense as he can. So when we talk about these things, there's a lot of things that we can tell Donovan Mitchell as well as other young athletes that's going to get them over the next hump and get them back into the game. But the one thing we cannot do and the one thing that we must must always stay away from is hating. Constructive criticism is one of the greatest things that an athlete has. And that's one of the greatest things that an athlete needs to become successful. Hayden is one of the quickest ways to tear one down. And that's just a word from our coach. All right, I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me. Before I let y'all go, I have a quick word from our sponsor at cashtochecking.com. Check out our boys at cashtochecking.com. Cash to Checking is one of the nation's leading finance companies, providing up to $400,000 in unsecured funding for business or personal use. We have relationships with over 250 lenders nationwide. Through the use of our proprietary software, we are able to secure over 80% more funding for our clients. We help clients obtain funding for real estate investment, business startups, down payment assistance, working capital, medical. When you're tired of living their dreams and you want to live your own, contact cashandchecking.com. They will help bankroll you and get you funded to start making those dreams a reality. I want to thank everybody for helping me out, making this a reality every single week. Of course, CWN Sports. If y'all are not on CWN Sports, I do not know where you're getting your sports from. I tell you, we have all these hot topics. We have videos. We even we even have the the, the breakdowns of everything that I'm talking about. We have the articles from every show, every podcast. So if you are not listening to it, you can go ahead and read it. I'm going to tell you, you can go ahead and actually subscribe to all of our shows right then and there. But wherever you get your podcast, definitely subscribe. You know, click the link. Or when you hear that ding, you'll know I do my thing. Keep that notification on. I will be popping up every week. Also, you got to check me out on Rest Kick It as well. That is our bi-weekly sneaker and fashion podcast. Check it out. We talk about all the hottest topics, all the hottest sneakers, some fresh new release, and who's riding with who. That's kind of the thing. That's what we do over there. Also, you got to check out Malik. Shout out to my guy Malik and the Blitz. They're giving you that raw information with Malik's, you know, special little spin on it. And you got to wake up every day with the morning team. Barbie Cologne, Sandy J, and of course, you're my man, Sean Harvey. He's doing his thing every single morning. Wake up with that morning team and check us out. CWN Sports, keep us locked in. Keep us on your favorites. I'm telling you, we are here to stay, and we're just going to get bigger. My name is Coach Drew. This has been Ball Court, the world of basketball. I want you all to stick with me. Keep on listening. We're going to keep on doing our thing. We're growing every single day. Thanks for listening, and thanks for hanging out. Don't forget to subscribe.
This is a CWN Sports Network presentation.